friend Kieran Jokor, you may know her as that Sikh mama on Instagram. And I met Benji online through Instagram. And um, and then I met her at Rahal Camp and she's got such a good energy. She's such a lovely person. Um, probably one of the most loveliest people I've uh, I've met. So before we get into the interview, if you can please smash the thumbs up button and show our guests some love. It's very much appreciated. So make sure you hit that. And then we'll get on with today's topic, which is, um, we got quite a few questions come in for you, actually. Most of it was, we're going to try and focus around the topic of postnatal depression and depression in general, because um, I, I think it's not very well understood in our community. I think if you, if you experience it, then you kind of obviously have a, a bit more of an understanding of it, or if you have a spouse who's, who's gone through it. But if you just know somebody, like a, um, a relative or somebody, you might not understand too much about it. I was reading up on postnatal depression and the stats were something like 75 or 80%. So the stats that I read of mums will go through it post-baby. Um, um, post so I was I was shocked at that because I know, I know the stats on depression are something like one in four people will experience it, which is one in, in every household. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's, um, if you take me back and it, ties in with one of the questions which is what's the kind of first signs um well uh, i'd like to just start off by saying like i'm definitely not an expert at all like i haven't studied this topic um and so i can only just speak based off of my own experience um but uh what i i had maybe just read a little bit um uh, you know, in uh, sometimes you get some literature um, before you have a baby, uh, uh, maybe pamphlets or whatever. And so I had read that there was something called like um, the the baby blues. So um, after I had my uh, first son, um, I noticed within a week or two, I just noticed that I was feeling sad, like, and I didn't know why. Like I would, I would ask myself, like, why am I sad? And I really didn't know why. Like I was just feeling very emotional. And then there were times where I, you know, the family would all be there to see him. And, um, you know, I, I'd be sitting there with the family, but then I would just go to the bathroom and I would just cry for, and I still have no reason, like no reason. I don't know why I'm crying. And I would just cry cry it out, wash my face and come back out. And nobody known that I had cried or I was upset or anything. And I noticed that happened for about one or two weeks. And then it kind of just went away. So I think that's what the baby blues technically is. It's apparently something that lasts between two to six weeks where you just feel this overcome, like you you feel overcome with sadness or uh, you just don't feel like yourself. Um, but uh, when it comes to postnatal depression, or we call it postpartum depression here, um, uh, it's, uh, I feel like it, it lasts a lot longer. Like from what I've read, the last time I read about it, it could last anywhere from six months to a year, if not more sometimes. Um, I really don't think actually that there's a time limit on it. It just, it just happens and you don't know. It could last longer than two years or um, I don't know then after two years, is it considered just depression? Like, I'm not sure, but I would say that the first signs for me were just noticing that, you know, I'm, I am already like quite an emotional person, but just noticing that, you know, I wasn't feeling myself. And um, so after I had my second son is when I really knew something wasn't right because I was just, I would dread when, um, like it would become dark um, because I would know that my husband had to work. So he wasn't able to help me um, with the night feeds and all that other stuff. Um, and so I would always dread nighttime because I knew it would just be me and the baby. And, um, and that I felt started to just um, expand into all kinds of other things. I would, I would notice that I would have these kind, sometimes thoughts just about death and, um, thoughts that I normally wasn't having. So I would say that, you know, if, if you notice that, you know, you're just not yourself, like that's a kind of your first indication, like I, I'm not feeling right. Like just being in, in tune with 
what you you are usually like and and then whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment is this because I, I don't I, we were talking before but like ob- observing our thoughts is actually quite important um, sometimes like we a thought might come and we identify ourselves with that thought but now I'm I'm lear- I've learned that if I just kind of take a step back and and I just kind of try to be in tune with myself and ask myself like is this what I'm really feeling or is it is this just what I'm feeling in this moment like I it takes me a while sometimes to realize but at that time um my son that son now he's nine years old but um nine years ago that I knew something wasn't right and so I had a midwife um and I called her crying I told her I need help because I tried talking, to, I did try talking to my husband. And he didn't really understand. Like, as you said, sometimes it doesn't matter like how much you try to help somebody. If you if you haven't experienced it yourself, it's really hard for you to understand and to be able to help that person. Um, so you know, he tried his best to be understanding, but he also pointed me towards you know you need to ask the doctor or your midwife for help, and so I did. And then she referred me to a psychiatrist and we had a few sessions with her and, and my husband came with me as well um, as just to, to show his support. And she did tell me at the time that I, that I had postpartum depression. So, you know, to answer your question again is uh, just kind of notice like how, what kind of thoughts am I having? Is this, is this normal for me? And, how long has it been that I've been feeling this way? If it's been like, you know, sometimes we feel might feel sad for a week or two, but if it's been months or it's been a year or a few years, then it, I feel like it's it's time to reach out for help. Yeah, so a couple of points off that. There, there is something called the DSM criteria, which I had to study in university. And they that's a classification for different conditions like what we call postnatal depression and depression. Uh, and so... Sometimes it's a bit arbitrary. They might say, well, you have to have this, this, and this symptom for this mm-hmm. long, and then it classes as mild depression. If you have this, this, then it's moderately severe. And, and Dushko's not a big fan of the DSM criteria because it, you know, it, ch- it changes. I mean, in, in the DSM criteria, they had um, being gay or lesbian as a psychological disorder uh, not oh. too long ago. So you can see how you know, it's just some person or some committee has decided this. Yeah. All of a sudden, someone's been given this label, or they're not able to get the label and then get the help that they need um, yeah. because of this this arbitrary criteria and these these questionnaires which put you in a in a box or not. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because there's people who need help who don't don't get it because they don't quite fit get the, the criteria. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually interesting that you brought that up because I do remember. Um, so the first time that uh, I had sought help, um, the psychiatrist did do that assessment on me. And she told me that I had mild postpartum depression. But then the second time around when I had my daughter, um, that uh, um, when I went to a different psychiatrist and she told me I had severe postpartum depression and she was pretty sure based on what I told her that I had I also had severe depression when I had my son previous to that so and that was all just based on their questionnaire yeah and you obviously the the support you would get and the route you would go down would be completely different right you know so it really it really does matter um it sounds like it sounds like you were you're very self-aware knowing that this isn't right. Something's not right. This isn't my usual self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's key. Uh, I think also that, um, you know, you're very brave because I, I feel like a lot of people will go through stuff, but they're not brave enough to reach out for help. Um, and, and I think that's where, you know, things can really escalate. It can compound. And, yeah. and so, you know, kudos to you for, being brave enough to actually um, take the step to seek help and obviously to buy you as well, your husband, for um, encouraging that because I I don't know if every male is as supportive. The reason that I started trying to seek help also was because I knew that I just didn't want to continue feeling that way. 
Um, and I, I kind of just wanted it to go away. I, I wanted there to be some magic, like, you know, answer or something that I could do to make it go away. But um, I was also, and this is not to say anything against medication, but I was also hesitant to take um, medication. So I wanted to do something else to um, try, like I wanted to try any other natural method I could to make it better. So I, I did seek help there, but I also did try to talk to others. And um, that first time around, uh, I don't, I didn't feel like I was able to really connect with anybody, not too many people. I just didn't feel like I was able to get much back. Like most, there were a few other people I knew who had had babies around the same time. But when I would ask them, like, are you feeling this way? They'd be like, no. So I don't know if it was something that's when I started to think like, is there something wrong with me? Um, and that's when I finally asked for help from like my midwife. Um, but the second time around, I remember like what helped, I did get a lot more help because again, I was diagnosed with severe um, postpartum depression. But um, so I was, uh, I had, I was given access to a counselor for a really long time. And um, uh, I, I could see the psychiatrist as well. Um, but I found that what helped me most was just talking to other people. And sometimes like, I think I just never gave up on talking to others, even if, even if people didn't always connect with me or um, maybe they like, if I would tell them I'm feeling this way and they just wouldn't, you know, you can feel when somebody understands you or not. So if they didn't understand me, I just kind of would let it go, but I would still keep talking. Um, that's how I feel like I, I connected with Darshan for so easily because I just felt like we were able to talk so openly with each other when we first met. And um, uh, so sometimes you just connect with people. And there, there was this one um, Banji who it was, she was actually just an acquaintance. And I talk about this on, I have a blog, which I don't blog on anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, on that, I, I did write uh, a, a, a small post or actually quite a lengthy post on um, postpartum, my like experience with postpartum depression. And I explained this story in there as well. Um, this Benji was actually just an acquaintance at the time. And I was at the Gurdwara Saib and I had my daughter, she must've been like maybe three months old. And uh, I was just super overwhelmed. I had brought my, uh, my husband would work late. Like he would, wouldn't get home until 6.37 p.m. And um, so everything was just on me, you know, like getting the kids ready for school, taking them to school, picking them up, um, plus, you know, handling the baby. And uh, then uh, the reason I was at the Gurdwara side was because they had, um, they had like a, a Punjabi class. And I was really just overwhelmed with um, everything. And she had, I was sitting in the langar hall um, eating langar and she had just, she was walking by and she saw me. So she said, but they, she came to say hello and she just hugged me. And as soon as she hugged me, I just started crying and I, I didn't know why I was crying. Like I just started bawling in her arms and then she didn't let go of me. And she, I probably cried to her for a good, like five, 10 minutes. It felt like forever. I still remember, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, but like, I remember it like it was yesterday and um, she just, she kept patting me and she, she's an older Fanji. So um, she kept patting me and saying, it's okay, it's okay. And then um, she just stepped back and she wiped my tears away and she told me, I know exactly what you're feeling. Like she told me, I know what you're feeling. She's like, I've been through the same thing. I, she has three kids of her own who are grown up at the, they're grown up now. Um, but she told me and she started telling me about her experience, uh, her postpartum experience, and it sounded almost similar to mine. And so I just connected with this Benji and, and then she started checking in on me, like almost every day texting me, 
calling me. Um, you know, if I were at the Gurdwara again, she would go out of her way to help me. She'd take the car seat. She'd take my other kids. Come, I'll feed. I'll take you to the Langar Hall. I'll take care of you. You know, and I feel like that went such a long way for me. Just knowing that somebody really truly knew how I feel felt, and he went out of her way to help me. Um, like I just feel like I'll forever be indebted to her, and I feel like she really helped me on just. in getting better more than like more i have to say more than talking to a counselor did that helped me more yeah because she she truly understood where i was coming from you're so blessed to have met this this lady yeah she's she's still a very big part of my life so um but yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like she came at the right time where if you didn't yeah. have that connection with somebody who really understood Yeah, at a deeper level, then you know it it could have been worse. Yeah. Um, so it's just God's grace that you you guys connected. When when you talk about how you had to do a lot of the things yourself, which I'm sure a lot of moms have to do, I feel like communities have changed now. Where my grand, she had five kids, and um, my dad being one of the one of them, being the middle one, and uh, she said. She didn't really have to do much because she had two. They had Masi and they had two. She had two yeah. sisters who would do a lot of the bulk of the work. And she yeah. said she would go and sit at her friend's house and and chat to her friend, and yeah. come home and everything would be done. Kids would be bathed and fed and everything like that. And and um, I said that sounds brilliant. Yeah. Um, but so I think it was it was different back in Punjab, back in India. When you lived in a community, you had a household where you've got you know twelve, fifteen people in a household, and there's lots of hands on deck to help. Yeah. Um, whereas now we're, we're living with our spouse, we might we might have some help with grandparents on one day a week or or something like that. But it is very different now to what it used to be. Let yeah. alone having to work, let alone having to cook and clean and manage a household, and nobody wants to live in a a household that's you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to be able to live with a certain level of mess. I feel like when you've got really young kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to turn this computer around because you'll see it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we have um this room and we call it the laundry room, but it's okay. actually a bedroom which is just it just has <laughs> tons of laundry everywhere. That's and, what I'm sitting around right now. <laughs> <laughs> in the laundry room, uh, and Darshika will attack it like once a month. And yeah, then, and then and then the rest of the month it just looks like a bomb went off in there. Yeah, um, but that's okay. Yeah, it is. Like that's what I was telling you earlier. I feel like I've just learned to accept instead of putting this pressure on myself that all of this has to be done because the thing is, it'll be there again tomorrow. It'll be there again next week. We're gonna have to keep doing these things for the rest of our lives, or at least until we're physically able to. So. Like, why am I stressing so much? If the laundry is piled up, that's okay. I can still get to it. I'll do it later when I want to. <laughs> so now I'm just trying to do like the things that, you know, there's things that we just have to do. Um, but you know, I just learning to just say it's okay. There's a there's a mess. That's okay. And you know, instead of just being like, sometimes I would, it would. It would affect me so much just the clutter and the mess that then I would take out that frustration on my kids. Then, then what was the point of what's the point of that? Like, you know, I and then and in turn, then I'm feeling bad about myself as a mother, as a person. Uh, you know that why did I take my frustration out on them? And it's not fair to them. Just feel like it's better to let things be and deal with them when you're ready to, <laughs> even yeah. if it's once a month. <laughs> yeah, and I feel the same. Even though I don't do as nearly enough as you and Darshan, but I feel like if I have a bad night's sleep or if I'm busy with something else and the kids are crying, it feels like what is the point? Like what is it all for? Um, yeah. If I'm going to be a substandard parent because. Because my priority is with work or something like that. When it might, I might be able to get out of it. Then it kind of feels like it, it defeats the whole purpose. I feel like we're all all just trying to do the best we can with, with parenting. And yeah. my point was that 
self-care is usually the thing that slips. Like obviously you're probably a lot more careful about it. Um, but with new parents, especially they might want to have a tidy house and they might want to be able to entertain people and have people around or go to people's houses. But I was just talking to somebody earlier and I said, when, when the kids were young, if I brushed or had a shower, like that was an achievement. Yeah. Um, I know. I remember that. <laughs> so I feel like you've just got to make it work and do what the best you can. And, yeah. and that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't matter if my mom like, comes around and says the house is whatever, whatever the best is that you're able to do in the moment, that's okay. Like that's what we have to be okay with. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. And I feel like if you have some spare time, in order to be a parent, a decent parent, you have to prioritize yourself. Like if you're, if you have, if you're not getting enough sleep or if you haven't slept and if you haven't exercised in months or if you, your diet is atrocious because you're just eating leftovers, yeah. you're not going to be able to be the kind of parent that you can be. And I yeah. feel like that, I think a lot of parents get to the point where they think actually, well, it's more important that I look after myself than it is if I, you know, have the socks in perfect piles yeah. and perfect yeah. order. Um, yeah, and again, going back to that's why I started just doing things like going for a walk by myself and, you know, listening to my to my Katha or Keetan or whatever. That's my time for me. And then I can come back and focus on my family and, you know, not be grumpy. <laughs> Like I've taken that time out for myself because yeah. otherwise I just feel like there's no time in the day for me. Yeah. And I feel like being a parent is, is it's really, you have to be a high performer in the sense yeah. that in the working world, you could have a lazy day where you just surf the net and you're not really switched on. You're mentally not there, but you're physically there. But with yeah. your kids, you can't do that. You can't, you can't just not be, not be compassionate or not be patient or or um you, it shows up very quickly if you're yeah. having a bad day so yeah. that, you you're more self-aware of of uh, your own state and how you're feeling inside yourself yeah there's probably a lot of according to the stats and obviously uh, there's probably a lot of people out there who are going through depression at the moment uh postnatal depression Although there's, there's a lot of similarities with depression and postnatal depression in terms of the literature, in terms of the time frame that they say it takes. And like you said, it's different for, for everyone. My, my be- one of my best friends went through depression and um, I would read about it and think, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to take six months and then you're going to be OK. But see, that's, that's there's, who says he's going to be OK yeah. after six months? You know, maybe yeah. it'll, maybe it'll take a month, maybe it'll take two years or five years or. Um, so it is it is very individual and I feel like it depends what that person is able to and willing to do about it right like um, have to you do have to reach out for help I feel like I don't know I otherwise I don't know of any other solutions Um, and you know off the top of my head I can't like I can list a bunch of you know organizations that can help you but um because the thing is sometimes i've no i have i've had people reach out to me as well just on on my instagram and i feel like i i never really have like a specific answer like there's no there's no right answer like this is how you deal with depression like i don't feel like there's there's an answer for that like uh you do have to seek help for it. It's just the, who do you go to is what we need to figure out. <laughs> like, yeah, because um, uh, again, I, there, I was told about um, there's like postpartum society um, and you can call them. So I, I had done that as well when I first, uh, when I first had it with my second son and I, um, I felt I was just talking to somebody about my feelings, which is which is good, but I didn't feel like there was really anything else that they could do for me, like. Um, so I don't know if, if that's how these other kinds of um, organizations or societies work. I don't. I've never. I was given a list of these things as well, but I never really like delved into them very deeply, um, because 
first of all, I do feel like there's there you have to once you realize that you need help, you also have to kind of be willing to do the work. Like it's I, I found it very difficult to um, I had connected with a few counselors, not just one. And I found it very difficult to connect with them. Like at some point, you know, especially when I found that I was discussing anything to do with my Sikhi or my spirituality, that's where the disconnect would happen. Because um, like, you know, if you're speaking to somebody who doesn't understand Sikhi, um, like even the basics of Sikhi, then um, I just found like it was hard to connect. And then it was like, okay, I can't talk to this person anymore. Like there's only so much that she was able to help me. And um, I need to find something else. Some, and, you know, I've heard that I forgot, uh, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm sure Darshan Kaur knows more about it, CBT. And I've always been interested in doing a course or something um, to learn learn more about that but then that's you have to pay for that out of your own pocket well here you do i don't know how it is in in england but um yeah it just you have to be like able and willing to put the work in you know uh, like as i was saying before i got uh, caught off track but I had, I spoke to so many different counselors that I got tired of that. Like it was work. It's a lot of work to speak to a counselor or a doctor. And, you know, you're trying to explain your emotions and um, it's, it's very like emotionally draining. And then when you, when you feel like I'm not getting anywhere. And it's like, I felt like I had to shop around for the right counselor. And I never really found that person um, until I found this Banji. <laughs> and she's not, you know, she's not a certified counselor, but because she had experienced what I experienced, it was easier to connect with her. And, you know, she understands Sikhi and, you know, so it's easier. But like, I just feel like that that in itself was work is you know making the effort to go to the doctor to ask for help and then then you're trying to find like can i connect with this person are they understanding me and you get tired of doing that mm. like if you felt like you didn't connect with that person and you go around to, and you're trying to find another one i i did that probably three or four times and i just yeah. gave up you're on starting like a, you're starting yeah that each time yeah yeah so i just felt like I didn't have I didn't have that that kind of time and I didn't I couldn't keep going through those emotions over and over again so yeah I don't know if I answered that question yeah that was a great answer okay and, and Darshakul's PhD thesis was yeah. on comparing different psychological techniques and their effectiveness so okay. seeing whether psychoanalysis which is a Freudian stuff like did your mother love you and all that kind of stuff which yeah. is a, a gross simplification of it. And then you've got CBT, which is looking at thoughts, behaviors, and, and that aspect of it. Then you've got mindfulness, third wave therapies. Um, yeah. And she compared the, the different treatment options. And what she found in her PhD thesis was it didn't matter what you used. It mattered about the connection between the therapist and the, and the yeah. patient. So okay. it, it's amazing how the connection that you had with this random benji was like so powerful it yeah. was much more powerful than anything like a you know a, a psychologist or a phd or you know somebody else could have offered because yeah. was, she felt what you felt yeah and that made a world of a difference to me <laughs> yeah because the thing is i can try to because i tried to like would have tried to explain it to so many people but if you haven't been through it you won't fully understand. It's just like that with anything, really. So if someone's trying to, if someone's going through it and they're listening to this and they want to, they want, they want that Benji in their lives, like yeah. how, how do you find somebody you can connect with? Because you, you made yourself very vulnerable. You put yourself out there. Yeah. But a lot of people in our community, I mean, I, I do acupuncture for IVF, uh, yeah. supplement IVF. And there's only one couple in our community who people even know they've had IVF. Everybody else just doesn't tell anybody. Anyway, yeah. So it's kind of like we're so closed 
and we we kind of keep everything bottled up and and Punjabi they say dead and Ninanga Karida and all of this stuff. Yeah. How do you get how do you get support and connect with somebody when nobody wants to talk about it? That is a hard question because like I, I don't know how 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 you would do that if you're not able to talk about it. Like there has if there's somebody that you're even one person that you're able to talk to, um, you know, that might help you get connections somewhere else. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And I guess you have the emotional intelligence to be able to read somebody, right? You're having a conversation with them and you can tell this guy's or this girl doesn't get me. And, yeah, yeah. And, and you think, okay, I'll move on. And this person, okay, this person gets it. And then yeah. you, can have, you can have that conversation, right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to speaking to somebody and trying to make them understand when they really just, they don't yeah. get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, like my husband and I, like, you know, um, at first when, when I was, maybe I might've been cranky or whatever it was, or I would just be upset. Like, I remember the first time I uh, got upset with him after the baby was born. And it was because I think the baby had pooped um, in one of the onesies. And this was like a special onesie that I had bought. And, um, and he, he didn't realize it, but um, he had accidentally thrown it out in the garbage, like on garbage day. And I just totally freaked out. Like I started crying and he was like, what is going on? Like I can buy another onesie if it's that important to you. (laughs) But that's when I started to realize like, I'm like, why am I getting so upset over a banana? Like, what's the big deal here? And that's when I started to realize, okay, something's not right. That was like my first indication because I'm like, okay, Kendra, normally you wouldn't get up this upset over something so small. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so at that time too, he and I, he didn't fully understand. And I'm sure he would tell you now that he doesn't. He doesn't yeah. understand. Yeah. And, but and yeah, I've, I've listened that, to the other he other could help me that. I should seek help from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and I've listened to your, your other podcasts, so I know that you had sent him blog articles and he had read them, so it sounded like, you know, he was really trying to engage. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there's there's lots of husbands out there or wives if the husband is going through postnatal depression, which I know is much more rare, but um, they, they probably want to engage and get it, but they might be going through their own stuff or they, they might just not get it. And I had a, a patient of mine who had depression and she had three or four sisters. And I had said, you know, do you reach out to that, her sisters? And, and she was like, well, there's only so much I can keep, you know, I can't keep phoning them and, and keep telling them my problems where she, she kind of felt like it was burdening them. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like if you, if you have somebody, even if they're not a sister, if you have somebody that you can connect with on yeah with what you're going through, then that's maybe more valuable than, than a psychologist or then a sister or then a spouse, because it's somebody who really gets you. Well, you know, now with just in this day and age, we can connect with so many people a lot easier just because of social media. Like I've connected with quite a few um, people who have just maybe reached out to me and said, I, I think I'm feeling like I, I feel like I have PND or PPD and you know and they just they'll we'll we'll just talk back and forth and a lot of the times like I I don't feel like like I told you before I just I don't I'm not an expert at all in any of this and it's just I just speak based off of my experience and I a lot of the time I feel like I don't really have anything to offer to anybody but I think just have giving somebody like a listening ear and empathizing with them and telling them and, and just trying to put yourself in their shoes, even if you haven't been, it goes such a long way. Um, because sometimes a lot of the times people just need a hug. Like, I feel like that's, that's what I really like. I just kind of, for me personally, um, just that emotional connection of, of getting a hug from a banji or somebody just saying, Hey, I understand it's really hard being a mom, you know, just even hearing that, like, kind of made me feel better. Okay, I'm not the only one because you do in that moment feel like you're the only one. But this, this can be across the board, whether it's postpartum depression or depression, 
you know the the feelings themselves are are, are the almost the same you you don't feel you don't feel like yourself you feel depressed you feel sad um or you might be grumpy and you don't know why a lot of the time yeah i um i was talking to some guys about um the the large the number one cause of death in the western world for males of my age group is suicide i think all of my friends we don't we don't talk about this stuff so if we had a problem or we're feeling down or we had a problem in our marriage or or you know money worries or something it's just not really it's just not really acceptable in in the uk anyway with the with the with the people that i know it's not you don't really talk about your feelings and and i feel like that's potentially a problem because um then you know people want ways out and they they feel stuck and they feel like like you said they feel like they're alone and they're yeah. the only ones feeling this and they're the only ones going through marriage problems or or they're the only ones who are struggling to find a connection with their kids or or you know manage the 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 stresses and strains of of uh, being an adult yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and so it's uh it's dangerous really because uh that's that's when people can uh, do things potentially that aren't conducive to living a healthy happy long life and and yeah. um, I, I i do feel though like uh, you know you're telling me i'm brave and vulnerable but you are the same because you share uh, you and grifli faji as sick dad you guys share a lot of um just kind of reality of what the things that you're experiencing in your marriage um and even mental health wise and i feel like um you know you're kind of breaking some barriers too for other men who who might be feeling the same things but like you said uh m- most men don't talk about these things even amongst each other yeah. and so like i i feel like you guys are doing a lot of good work yourselves yeah i mean i um i do get messages sometimes is it me yeah. for a joke about this i'll get messages from patients the next day and say i'm really sorry to hear about your marriage and like oh <laughs> It's okay. It's not. It's not that bad. It's just I'm trying to say. Um, me and Group Breathing did a podcast. Uh, it was a couple one for the Seek Parenting Group, and uh, yeah. he was saying, apart from me and Darshakor, he doesn't know any other couples that openly talk about their their struggles and conflicts. Yeah. And yeah. Um, in in Sangat, and he was yeah. saying that you know that's a big shame because you just think life's meant to be perfect. It's perfect for everybody else. Why isn't it for you? Yeah. Um, and it sets its false expectation of what what married life is like, yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I think it has its pros and cons. I think hopefully it it helps some people in some way. But then on the other hand, you you feel like everyone thinks you have this terrible marriage <laughs> and you're fighting all the time. And and um, actually, like honestly, when I read them, I just feel like oh, they're just like me. They're just like us. Like yeah. you have to make yourself vulnerable, even if it isn't in an online space. It may be with yeah. a person in a conversation, one to one. Somebody you feel is uh, you can trust, and you have to give somebody, someone, whoever it may be, a bit of a bit of trust. Yeah. Um, to be able to open up and say, look, I I need help, because you know, God forbid, things escalate and people. I had a a friend of mine and his wife and I, I read about this in your your blog actually um and she experienced psychosis so she used to think when her mother-in-law was taking her baby away she used to think her mother-in-law was going to do something to her baby and it oh. was it was completely irrational because they had they had no issues everything was fine but it was just she had this overwhelming feeling and emotion um, yeah. and and so it it is really important to to trust somebody with, with yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um Darshakor sees a lot of our community in her mm-hmm. clinic and it's probably because of like what you said if you have a a white psychologist they're probably not going to understand the idiosyncrasies of being a Sikh or being an ethnic minority or, yeah. or any of the things that the the subtleties of growing up and the nuances um yeah. that we we have Sikhs yeah. uh, and being up in in the western world um and so how did you how did you kind of merge the two in terms of the western interventions and the like the western approaches and 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 sikhi and i've listened to your other podcasts and i know that was a big element in terms of what helped you so how did you combine those or what 
what worked for you? Well, uh, I have to say, like, um, at the at the beginning, like, I, I felt like when I first, with my first son, like, I just felt very disconnected, actually, like, to my psyche, like, for actually a few years, like, um, just I feel like with parenthood in general, um, because, you know, it's kind of like another thing that you have to balance on top of all this other real world stuff, like laundry and cooking and everything else that we have to balance. It's another added element. And um, so I struggled a lot um, just with like, I felt really disconnected for a long time. And, um, but I also at the same time feel like if I didn't have Sikhi, like I did, if I didn't have Gurbani, Keetan, Gatha, like I don't know where I'd be because um, uh, just when I finally did, when I finally was able to just make that effort, like we were speaking before um, uh, we started recording, uh, just like, you know, taking the time to do things like sometimes our mind, our mind, like in, in my mind, I would, I have to ask myself, like, if, is this what you're really feeling? Or, you know, cause sometimes, you know, you just don't feel like doing something like working out or you want to eat more food or whatever it is. So even with Sikhi, like sometimes I just wasn't feel like doing my part or I, I didn't feel like doing the Simran, but like once I started I do have to sometimes force myself now to work out. You have to sometimes force yourself to do it, but once you do it, you feel so good. And that's, that's how I feel when it comes to just the whole Sikhi aspect of it is that, you know, at there were many times where I had to force myself, but once I did it, there was just so much laha. Like, you know, I started doing, um, I started taking Santhya um, in early in the mornings, like, you know, uh, while everybody else is sleeping, I just go to Gordora Saib and do Santhya with another group of people. And um, I did that for like about six to eight months. And it was the best. I feel like it really helped me connect, um, connect again to, to Guru Saib. Um, just like it was the best experience. It was something that I've been wanting to do for so long. And I I wasn't able to because just of my family life. But um, if I didn't have um, Gata, you know, Gata helps you connect to Gurbani. And then, then there's Simran. I mean, uh, Dashinpur is probably one of the people who helped me connect to Simran the most. And, and, uh, um, and I have a few other Gursik friends as well who have pushed me just towards, you know, if there's, if there's anything that you can do, even if it's just five minutes of Simran, it, it helps you feel so good. It's just like, you know, that almost that same feeling like working out for 30 minutes after you work out and you feel like this, what is it that, um, like the endorphins. Yeah. And it's this, I feel like if I didn't have Gurbani as my asra, I, I don't know if I, if I would be where I am today, if I would get through this, um, if I would have gotten through the postpartum depression, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I, I, I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did very eloquently. Um, and it brings you to kind of, kind of um, another point, which is, which is guilt around religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I keep referencing Darshan Gore, but she, she sees some people who suffer from OCD and it's around religious activities. So they may feel this compulsion that they, they're not doing this right or they have to do this. Or, and it can, it can become unhealthy to the point they need medication. They can't function in everyday lives. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's one extreme. And then there's obviously the extreme of not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like with, with exercise, as an example, which may be a poor one, but you know, I might say to you, you have to do this and this and this and this, but that might not work for you, your lifestyle, your genetics, your, your hormones, uh, your, um, your time in terms of your work week. So it, it is, I feel like we have this prescribed thing that you must do this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. but there's no actually, well, you need to actually concentrate or you need to actually focus or you need to take out time or the emphasis yeah. is on just 
this is the prescription. And if you do this, then you won't be depressed or you won't have any problems. And yeah. But I feel like that's maybe uh, not the right message to be giving out because then mm-hmm. you've got people who are doing all of those things, but they're still yeah. suffering. Suffering, yeah. So that's like, that's what's important is, because I was given this message to um, as well, like a few times with certain people that I reached out to and they'd just be like, you're not doing enough Simran. Like, you need to do more Simran. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, uh, maybe I wasn't doing enough Simran, but, um, you know, I, I needed to get to a point where, like, I wanted to do Simran. Like, at that point, I wasn't feeling like I had, there was no kitsch to do it at that time because I was just so depressed. So I feel like we have to understand that even if you are doing all those things, um, and you're, you can still feel depressed. Like it's, it's a condition just like, you know, if you were to break your leg, that's a condition. It's, 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 it's your, it's your health, right? You still need to go seek help for it. If you broke your leg, you still need to go to the doctor and get a cast. So if, if there's something wrong, you still need to seek help. Um, even if you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Like you could be doing your part and doing your simran and still break your leg and yeah. you still need to go to a doctor and get a, put it in a cast or get it fixed in terms of put a rod through it and aligned and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that Gurbani and Simran is invaluable, but it also doesn't mean that there aren't other tools that we need to also utilize. Yeah. Um, especially if somebody is, is doing those things and they feel like they might just be going through the motions. Yes. Um, because, uh, yeah, I don't know how helpful that is to be sitting there reading Gurbani or sitting there and forcing yourself to be similar and your mind is not there mm-hmm. and you don't want to be doing it, you're forcing yourself to do, to do it or somebody else is forcing you. I don't know yeah. how fruitful that is. Um, That's why, like, it's okay to just, you know, if you don't feel like doing it, even just do it for one minute. Like, you know, you had that, um, the Simran, like, yeah. 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 And that was awesome. Like, it's just, it's such a good way to, uh, you don't even, I think you were saying like, you don't have to even say how long you did it for. Like, just, just do Simran. You're, you're taking some time out of your day to remember Vaigiri. And, you know, that's what matters. Whether it's, yeah. you know, obviously, like doing it for an hour is wonderful. But even if you took the time out, it's like, I, it's almost like quality over quantity, right? Like, a hundred percent. I agree with that hundred percent. And then um, exercise. I feel like a lot of people were telling me to do it and, and at that time. Like they were saying, even just go for a 10 minute walk. But at, again, at that time, I just didn't feel like, like I wasn't able to get myself to go outside. Um, but once I started to is when I realized I would, I was kind of kicking myself. Like, why didn't you go sooner? <laughs> like, you know, I just, I feel like it's a little maybe people don't really um understand the benefit of it you don't have to work out hardcore and you know just going for a a simple walk like 20 30 minutes it will like change your day like i i feel like i i wish i had realized that sooner um it really helped my mood It it really helped me just um you know like kind of feel more balanced and so those two things, and then um, I, as I was talking to you a bit earlier about just kind of what we, being a little bit at least mindful about what we eat, because um, with sugar, the thing is, I used to eat so much sugar, and I'm sure we all know, like, it causes you to go up and then come crashing down. And that does not help you help you at all with, like, depression symptoms. So um you know, just being a little bit mindful of that has also helped me feel better. And, you know, it has helped me in my relationships with, with my husband, with my kids, and with others as well. Like, I just feel like those, all of those things combined have helped me. Um, and I, 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 I just feel a lot more, I guess, confident in myself than I did before. And my abilities, like, um, just taking the time out to make time for myself because I know that that in turn will help the people I love as well and myself. (laughs) 
Absolutely. These are all kind of avenues to potentially look into and see what works for you and yeah. which parts of elements that you can take to try and improve improve your life and improve your well-being. Um, yeah, I think you have to kind of just play around and see what works for you. Um, I, that's That's what I've even done just with my like exercise routine and my eating routine you just kind of play around and see what's what's working and what's not and 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 that's how you're going to find out are there any i know you've just mentioned about the things that helped and all the things that connected and it's been really useful and really insightful um is there any resource or any website any people that you follow any books any podcasts that has been helpful along your journey? Um, so uh, there are a few, uh, but is it okay if I actually like send you the list and then you can maybe provide it? Um, yeah, at the add it to the yeah, in the description, um, because I don't want to just sit here listing everything off, but because uh, <laughs> we might be here for a while. But then uh, like my, the main ones that I really enjoy is um, Sick Your Mind. Um, I think maybe Darshan Kaur might uh, work with them as well. And um, uh, there's, I, it's Learn Gurbani. Um, I like that one a lot because uh, they, uh, it's just like, they'll give you just one word from Gurbani and tell you the meaning of it. And um, they might sometimes share like Shabads th that are connected to, to it. And um, I really like that as well. Just it kind of helps me reflect a little bit. But I'll send you another list, uh, full list. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, where can people connect with you? Where can they find out more? Um, so on Instagram, I'm at that sick mama, um, and that's probably the best way to connect with me. I also have a blog, thatsickmama.com. So I will link to your blog post and your your talk that you did, and okay. the previous two podcasts as well, so everyone can access all those resources in the description box. Okay. Um, I just want to thank you so much for your time. I know it's it's um, anxiety provoking putting yourself out there and recording on video and you know being in a different time zone and trying to coordinate all of this and ask asking answering questions on the fly. So we we really appreciate you, Benny. Thank you.